All right. Good morning, everybody. We're going to get you to settle into where you're at there and want to welcome everybody online. It's great to have you part of College Church here this morning as well. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on this team. And I'm just excited to be here today. Are you excited to be in church today? That's good. I got, I got to know, like, who, who's all ready for Christmas already? Are you ready? Who's, who are the ready people? Now, put your hands down. Who are the unready people? Those are my people. All right, so this is good, but after a couple of weeks away from myself, it's good to be back here in the swing of things, and we're excited to be here, and so we're going to jump in this morning. We recently uh, had a, a moment in our household where there was something significant that had happened, and most of you who are a part of the 11 o'clock, you would be used to it. When I sit on the front row with my family, there's this one kid who stands beside me, and he's like 6'3", he's 250 pounds and you're wondering, who's Sean's bodyguard? That's my son. That's my son. And he joined me this morning in the 9 a.m., so he gave them the treat. He had to switch around some schedule stuff, but he was here. But the, the story has to do with him. He, he turned 19 uh, quite recently, this rite of passage, now where in the eyes of the world, he's got every permission under the sun to do whatever in the world he wants to do, and I just need you to pray for me because... <laughs> Because I just don't know what to do with it. But no matter what has gone on in Jacob's life, no matter the fact that he's turned 19 and he's become this young man and becoming the man that God is asking him to be, the one reality is this, he's still my son, no matter his age or no matter what. And the question, though, that I'm asking as I was looking at this moment in our lives is what makes him my son, though? I mean, the, the idea that I could lean on, he was born to me. Uh, he's obviously got my DNA, so the good looks is a good thing, right? So, uh, but many people have looked at, our, at Jake and are like, seriously, 6'3", he's got a full head of hair. Are you the dad for real? Like, you know, like, but DNA is one of those things that makes him that for me. But the idea that he bears or he carries carries my name. The Chapman name is a big deal, and he goes for it. And I made it abundantly clear as he sat there at 9 a.m., but one thing that still makes him my son is I don't care how big he is. I still beat him in wrestling. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, I'm still the dad here, okay? But, uh, but the one thing that I hope for my son is that he chooses to represent me well, and his mother, of course. But I want him to represent the Chapman name. And so with this big event and all of these pieces that are around it, I started to ask a question though, and I, I'm asking it of us here today and online, but what identifies you as a son or a daughter of God? What are your identifiers that would make you that, to have that title, to have that identity? And besides the easy answer that we all learned in Sunday school back in the day, because I asked Jesus into my heart, which is true, what identifies you as a son or a daughter of God? Now, today, as we continue our series in Peace or Pieces, I think I have a suggestion of what God looks at when it comes to this title of peace that we have been studying together in this Christmas series. And it finds itself in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. And it says this, that blessed are the, what does it say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called, they will be identified as sons and daughters, children of, of God. Perhaps today, your identifier should look like you are this person who is called a peacemaker. 
say peacemaker because I want that to be embedded in today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this space and this time. Thank you for the story of Christmas and the beauty that is all around it. Thank you, Jesus, that you came as a baby and yet you had the title of a king. Thank you that you came to a manger, an animal trough for me. And I thank you that you continued that pattern and that path to the old rugged cross where today you are seated and you are victorious and full of love you pursue us. Now today as we've read the word, I ask that you will help us to learn. Give us wisdom to lean in to what you are asking us to be as we identify ourselves as sons and daughters of God. I give you thanks for this space and I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. come on, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I'd like to speak to us from the subject titled, A Non-Anxious Presence. And over the last number of weeks, we've been studying this, this series on peace or pieces. And uh, we've had some fantastic communication over the last several weeks, kind of bookend by some of our global partners with Peter Pollock and Zach Wiley last week. And right in the middle of that, Pastor Tyson was unpackaging this Piece or Pieces series. And I got to tell you, he did a fantastic job when it came to that. Yeah, I heard that applause. We can give Pastor Tyson a hand. Amazing. I really appreciated the framework of it as we were talking about our peace, and he kind of contended for us that peace in the Old Testament, the word shalom, irene in the New Testament Greek, the word means peace, but ultimately it means wholeness. Do you have wholeness when it comes to the peace of God? Or do you have over here in the picture was a puzzle, and we all know puzzles in the many pieces that come with it, which represent its brokenness from the peace that God may want to have for us. I love what he did in that framework of getting us to the spot of learning this one subject, anxiety, worry. Have you heard of it? Do you have it? Are you aware of it? We all are. I mean, we see this in our world that anxiety is prevalent in so many areas. And so why not talk about peace, peace of God? Because the Bible tells us that he was going to come as this baby to a manger and he was going to be the prince of peace. And so we want to talk about this, but we know this about the anxieties that are all around us, that are in our lives today, but chaotic environments are disorienting, aren't they? They really are. Uh, John Boyd was an Air Force pilot. It was a fighter pilot. And it was critical that as a fighter pilot, when you've, you're in enemy territory and you've got someone ready to attack you and to take you down, they would go with this strategy called the Oda Loop. All right. The Oda loop meant that as you're in your fighter jet, you would need to observe around you what was happening. But then you'd have to decide and then you'd have to act. And we're talking milliseconds from your plane being shot down or to you having victory over your enemy. And so they followed this loop. But as John was one of those uh, guys that was living this thing out day in and day out, he recognized and he realized that there was one word missing in this strategy and in this idea. And so in fact, no longer an Air Force pilot, but a strategist, what John did is he created this thing called the Oda loop. Now, I know I said Oda because it's Oda now because he added one more word to this strategy into this cycle. The word that he recognized that was missing, and it was the most important word actually that would become a part of the Oda loop, was this word called orient or orientation. What he was talking about is you need to know where you are in relation to the environment that is around you. 
which makes a lot of sense because we could talk about anxiety today and we could pinpoint in observation where we are. Then we make these rash decisions sometimes. We act on things that maybe don't have the totality of what we need. And what he was contending for is that we as fighter pilots, we needed to add the orientation. We had to get our bearings set on something so that we could then decide and then we could act the way we needed to. Folks, I, I want us to see this out of this OODA loop. I'm not inviting you to be fighter pilots uh, today, but I'm asking you to be fighter pilots for Jesus with this one comment. We can observe, we can decide, we can act, but if we do not orient our lives on Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, we lose. And it is all about orientation. And that's what Pastor Tyson has been teaching us over these last number of weeks. Let's orient ourselves, especially with all of the anxieties that are around, on Jesus. Because when you orient yourself on Jesus, it leads us to the next critical phase and the next critical step of this sermon series called Peace or Pieces. And overall, the word peace. This next step that we're about to talk about today matters a whole lot to Jesus. Notice how in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus did not say, blessed are the peace recipients or the peace lovers. He didn't say that. But how many of you want the peace of Jesus? How many of you like the peace of Jesus? But he didn't say that. He said, blessed are the peace makers. And it's interesting because we often will see ourselves as entitled to peace being made with us, but not peace being made by us. It's interesting because Jesus has something to say when it comes to this idea of peace. To be a peacemaker means that you are a peace bringer. It's active. It means that your response in this is absolutely critical and necessary that when you bring peace into the situations that are around us, when you bring peace to the anxiety that we have talked about for many weeks now, it identifies you and I as a child of God. So again, a silly question, a redundant question maybe, do you want to be a son of God? Do you want to be a daughter of God? It says that we are to bring peace. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 is a beautiful verse. I want you to see this. It used to be an old song that I sang a long time ago, but I love this. And I won't sing it for you because I want to protect your ears for the season. But how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of what? Of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. Can we leave that there for just a few moments, please? Because when I read this and I see it, it takes me to Ephesians chapter 6 where we're given instruction. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do you know that you can wake up every single day and you can clothe yourself with this thing called the armor of God so that it will protect you as you go out into your world? But one of the things in the armor of God is to strap on the shoes of what? Peace. The shoes of peace. There is this beautiful imagery in this picture that we as followers, as children of God, this identifier being peacemakers and bringing peace to this world matters. It means that every day you've got the ability as you put on your shoes today, but to strap on the shoes of peace, to walk into your environments and into your situations, no matter how hostile, no matter how anxious they may be. And you could strap on these shoes of peace. And the best part about these shoes is that they're clothed with this thing called good news. If you want to know what the good news is, is that Jesus Christ came to this earth for you and I today. It's all about the love candle that we talked about just moments ago. It is all about 
understanding the good news and that good news of peace and salvation to people who need to hear that our God reigns. You get to put those shoes on today. So this is the ultimate question. This is my bottom line for us today as a church family. Are you a peacemaker or a peace taker? Now watch me. Are you a peacemaker or a peace taker? And there's a difference here. So I'm asking you, who are you when it comes to this conversation this morning? Nelson Mandela, an individual who knows a lot about peace and tension, said this. It takes a long time to make peace, a short time to make tension. Many, many people make tension. Few people make peace. So wherever you find tension, you must make peace. Kind of sounds like Jesus, don't you think? I love what Nelson Mandela does here with this idea of our peace and our tension that is in and all around us. Edwin Friedman coined the phrase that I used as my subject title this morning, a non-anxious presence. This non-anxious presence, uh, what he's talking about is saying that in anxious environments, people, you and I, we leverage influence through being a non-anxious presence. How many of you have seen anxiety recently or have um, experienced it yourself? Can I, can I see your hands? Just, I just want to, okay, so I think that this relates to us. But just as anxiety can multiply itself by running through our systems, right? Have you ever noticed that when you get anxious, other things begin to trigger you and you begin to see more and more and you're like, oh no, and the snowball effect begins to take place. But I I believe that if anxiousness can multiply itself through a system, I am contending today that so could non-anxious presence multiply in a system and in a situation. The best news of this is that then Jesus invites you and I to be that non-anxious presence to the system that is all around us. And I think Jesus wants that in you. And I know some of you may be thinking, there's no way. Because Jesus doesn't know that I'm fully anxious or that I worry a whole lot. So how could he use me to help other people? Guess what? Jesus knows that already about you. And he still wants you to be that non-anxious presence. See, he wants to use you and I to be the peacemaker that he's called us to be. So let me ask you this. Today, tomorrow, this week, or, or maybe this season How could you be a non-anxious presence for other people? I mean, I'm asking, who do you need today to make peace with? Because some of you are sitting here today and you know full well that you are at odds with somebody else. And I'm here to tell you today, and it's not my words, I'm reading my Savior Jesus' words. Why aren't you fixing that? Why aren't you making peace with someone else? And I'm asking, who can you take peace to today because I think there are a lot of people around us who need peace. Eddie Hillisom says this, that ultimately we have just one moral duty to reclaim large areas of peace in ourselves, more and more peace, and to reflect it to others. And the more peace there is in us, the more peace there will also be in our troubled world. Beautiful thought. Because how many of us would admit today our world is in trouble? 
And yet you and I could strap on some good old shoes apiece and take this unbelievable story to a world who needs it. So today, how can you, how can I, be a non-anxious presence? How could I be a peacemaker rather than a peace taker? And I think that we could do that by observing two areas today. First one is let's observe us, you and I. Let's take a look at who we are through Tim Keller's comment that says, peacemakers are people who, through making peace with God, have finally learned how to admit flaws and weaknesses, how to surrender pride, and how to love without the need to control. I think that if you truly want to be a peacemaker, you've got to have peace. I think you've got to know the peace of God. I watch a lot of people in this world today, and they lack the peace of God. And I think this is exactly where it has to start. And I know Pastor Tyson has contended for this in the last message that we did, so I am not going to spend a whole lot of time with this. But I need to punctuate this today for us. It's that you could be here in this room, you could be online with us today, and you just don't have the peace of God in your life. And that is exactly what we are invited into today. You have to find that peace with God. You got to get to that good news, that good news of Jesus that we already had talked about, who came to this earth as a baby, grew up as a man, died on a cross for the sins of humanity, you and I included, but he rose from the dead and he lives today. And it is that good news that he wants you to be able to live in, that God is good and he is not done with you nor with your story, but he has peace with you. I would contend that the root of much of our anxiety, as real as it is, the root of much of our anxiety is our disconnection from God. To say this, we cannot be a non-anxious presence without God's presence. And so it's got to start with you. It's got to start with you so that you could take it to the next phase, which is where we're contending as well today. And that next phase is, is others. And so how many of you have been aware that in um, our city lately, there's been a lot of sickness everywhere? Have you noticed this? I mean, people are sick. I mean, you work in a school, you send kids to school, they're in the cesspool of sick. I mean, they bring it at home or everywhere you go, people are sick. We know what sickness does, right? Sickness affects us. It sends a virus and a bacteria into our body. And what that bacteria begins to do is it begins to fight our immune system and it begins to tear us down and to rip us apart. So every person knows what to do when you get sick. You go to the store and you buy all of the comfort food that you can find, chips, cookies. You do whatever you got to do to make sure you go back home and sit on your couch and let everybody sit on you hand and foot, right? Like that's what you do. I mean, that's what we have to do when it comes to sickness. Well, we know that that's probably not the best thing that you probably should do. So you go to the store and you look at the shelf and you're like, I got to get what's best for me. And so everybody knows what to do at this stage. You go get Buckley's, right? <laughs> Because you know what it does. It tastes awful. See, you all know. You all know already. Like, that's the best part. But we take that medication so that it could begin to combat the immune system. Right? So this is what I'm asking us today. When it comes to you being a non-anxious presence, of being a peacemaker rather than a peacetaker, 
I'm asking us today to function as the immune system. Not to ward off the enemies, because that's God's job, but so that we could supply the ingredients for the system's integrity. Because our world is anxious these days. But I'm telling you that followers of Jesus Christ, with their feet shod with the, with the shoes of peace, they can be the system's integrity again today. I know this because I look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, very familiar passage of scripture that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, but peace. I mean, we are called to bring this peace. We are called to bring integrity back into the systems of this world because God wants you and I to be able to do that together. Now, if we were to um, help with this idea of bringing integrity back to the system, I've got three things that I just want to deposit with you today, and I'm going to let you wrestle with this as you go forward. And the first thing that I want you to consider about being a non-anxious presence and helping our world get back to understanding peace is by watching this first thing, and it's called your tongue. This little thing right here between your lips, your tongue. The tongue is a really big deal of how you and I could either bring peace or take peace from situations, believe this or not. And I love this about peace when I read about it in James chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. It shows me that this little tongue, <laughs> it is a powerful little tool. It is a powerful little weapon that can either bring blessing or it could bring curse. It can bring intentionality of peace, and it could also strip peace intentionally. Unintentionally, I could bring peace into situations, and unintentionally, I could take peace away from situations. And I had one of those moments personally where I unintentionally took peace, and I want to share it with you, just a few weeks ago. And in preparation for this message, this was the thing that stood out to me. I mean, how many of you know that uh, through this thing called COVID, we were all in the same boat, right? I mean, we were all chucked in. We were sailing along. We didn't know what to do. We had no oars. We didn't know where we were going, but we were in the same boat together. And I'm noticing culturally these days, kind of in a post-COVID moment, but we've, we're in another boat together, and that boat is the financial crisis that's happening in our world, yeah? Have you noticed this? I mean, I'm, talk, I'm hearing people talk about it. I'm watching what's happening, seeing people losing their jobs and not knowing what to do with the inflation rates and how can I do this and what can I do? And because you watch these things as COVID was and as our finances are, our responsibility of mine, especially in leading a church, is to pay attention to that. So we started paying attention to our finances. We wanted to watch the trends. What are we even seeing when it comes to that for us as a church? Because this matters. And so I started to talk this over with the board and seeing a couple of different things. And so after that, I went to our pastoral staff and I said, I just want us to be aware because we haven't seen something like this in a while. And so we just want you to watch this. And I shared it with them. And, and then I walked, we walked away from the conversation. Not a big deal. I mean, my comments to them were, I'm not, there's no panic button here. It's caution. We just, we have to be diligent with what we're seeing. And I came back to the conversation a couple weeks later, and I started to talk with a couple of the staff members, and, and a couple of the staff members, they started to show me that I was not making peace with this conversation. I took peace. Because some people were like, well, what about this, and the what ifs, and the wonderments, and will it affect me, or all of these things, and I realized I took peace from somebody. And 
after a couple more conversations, we're able to calm everything down and you, you pass it out and you, you figure it out. But then this week, as I was getting ready for us this morning, uh, Jesus was speaking with me and he was reminding me of this, this neat little story about how him and his disciples were on this boat one night and then all of a sudden Jesus is out on the water. You, you remember this story? And he says to one of them, hey, come out here on the water with the storms and the things that you, you, you know, you've got going on. And it reminded me of something. I mean, it could be the financial crisis that we're seeing around us. But perhaps there are some of you in this room today, your relationship has broken down recently and your life is in crumbles. Or perhaps you've been given that diagnosis and it's not friendly. I mean, these are all true moments, are they not? But even in the midst of true, stuff can be stripped away from you, depending on the voice that you listen to. That's why this whole thing right here matters and your tongue matters. Now I realized that Jesus was ultimately saying, like, listen, and please hear me. Jesus is in the boat if you're in the boat today. And guess where else Jesus is? He's out of the boat because that's where he is too. Because of his omnipresence, he could be everywhere he wants. But Jesus was kind of encouraging me. Sean, pastoral team, you've had your eyes on me through COVID. We got through, didn't we? Oh yeah, we did. Thank you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, well, what about this moment too? Are you going to trust me with this? And isn't that what it's all about? These moments where anxiety wants to set itself in, we have to trust Jesus. Is that hard? You better believe it's hard. But that's the essence here. Peace make or peace take. And that's what we're coming back to today. It's that we're trusting Jesus. So no matter what your situation of anxiety may be today, do not let it take from you. Allow the peace of God to come to you. And watch what happens. And you will have an unbelievable ability with your tongue to relay this information to people all around you. The second thing that I want you to pay attention to to bring some integrity back to the system is your heart. Somebody say heart. Hebrews 12 verse 14 encourages us today and it says that you are to pursue peace with everyone, not just who you choose to. You are to pursue peace with everyone for without it, Nobody can see Jesus. And this is important for us to remember when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. You want to be my son and my daughter? You need to pursue peace with everybody. So if you're at odds today, perhaps with somebody, you need to fix that with Jesus. In fact, in the very same chapter of Matthew, of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus also goes on and he says, blessed are the peacemakers. But he says, listen, if you come and you play church and you like come to an altar and you're trying to worship me and give me your everything and you realize in your head that you, you have a brother or sister who is not in good standing with you, drop everything you've got and go fix it. Well, Jesus, that's a little bit hard, don't you think? And I think he's saying, yeah, I know. It's that important. Don't play church. Go fix the relationship. And I think Jesus is asking us today, not as a suggestion, but a command, go fix that which is around you. In the last couple of weeks, I, I was mentioning to Lisa, I'm so proud of my wife because she made one of these moments with her heart in making peace, familial situation, going in with intrepidation, not knowing what would happen out of it. But she decided to be a peacemaker. I can't do this. We need to find a resolution to certain things. It was beautiful. What I loved about Lisa was that it was all about her obedience. It says to pursue peace with everybody. Not just when you feel like it, 
And I tell you right now, she didn't feel like it. She did it. And it was an issue of obedience. And it's interesting that when you try to go and pursue peace with everybody, here's the, here's the bad news. Not everybody's going to be on the same page as you. As was this situation, we had some positivity, we had some not. But I want you to know this, to add the integrity of the system back with your heart, it has nothing to do with your feelings. It has to do with your obedience to Jesus Christ. And my encouragement to you today is how could you allow the obedience of your heart go and pursue peace with somebody else that you need to with? And then the last thing that I want to share with you today is your nose. Come on, everybody, touch your nose. I want to talk about your nose for a second. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this statement before, but when somebody um, kind of knows what they're talking about, they've got a knack for things, they know what they're doing or what they're looking for, a phrase has been used, that person sure has a nose for it. So they know what they're doing. And what I want to address here with your nose here today is that I, I simply want you to know your role, but to stay in your lane when it comes to your intuitions or your insights. And what I'm talking about is that you and I today, to bring integrity back to the system, we need to have wisdom. We need to have wisdom to know what to do. And we need the wisdom to know where to engage, and we need the wisdom to know where not to engage. If I could admit this about myself and probably many of us in the room, have you ever had this moment, don't put up your hand, but you've engaged in a situation that was none your business. <laughs> don't put up your hand, but I think you know what I'm talking about. And that's what I'm talking about when it comes to being a peacemaker today is that there are going to be moments that Jesus says, I need you to go to this. And then, you know, you've seen this before. You've seen other people and you see that situation that's happened over there. And you're like, well, Jesus wants me to go fix them too. So let's go. And you get in there and it's not good for your life. The invitation of Jesus here is to go and to be reconcilers of people back to God. Second Corinthians, I believe five or yes, five. And we're to go reconcile. I want you to, to know this. Your job today is to reconcile people back to God. It's not to fix them. Guess who the fixing's job is? God. But you are called to model peacemaking and to walk into situations and leave it at the feet of Jesus, who is the most beautiful picture of peace there is. After all, he's called the Prince of Peace for a reason. And so today, with your tongue, with your heart, and with your nose, are you taking peacemaking seriously, or are you peace-taking? There are many pieces in this world all around us. And as we've talked about it for the last month, these pieces are crippling to people. But my Bible shows me, and my Jesus tells me, that we can walk into this world systems and we can bring integrity back and we could allow the peace of God which transcends our whole understanding and thinking and that peace can guard our minds in Christ Jesus so that we can be the shoes of peace that this world needs to see. 
And the best news is, is Jesus wants you to do it. And he wants me to do it. So this week, I'm asking you, and probably for the rest of your life, what would it look like to be a non-anxious presence in this world? How can you be a peacemaker rather than a peacetaker? Because I think he wants to use you in it. Amen? Will you stand with me this morning and pray for us? With all eyes closed in this place, I'm, I'm going to have you just listen to the Holy Spirit for a moment before you make your way out of here today. I ask you to pray a daring prayer right now. And it's this, God, am I being a peacemaker right now? Or have I been peacetaking? Let him speak to you. What's the answer? And be honest with him. Let him bring these situations to your mind, to your heart. Let him speak to you. He wants you to be that non-anxious presence in this world. And when you do, you identify as a child of God. There's no greater calling, no greater honor. As you process that, and you may be in this room today with all eyes closed, or you may be online with us today. And the first thing that I touched this morning about how can I be a non-anxious presence, I, I talked about how you have to have peace with God yourself. Perhaps you've never invited Jesus to be your king, your savior. And that's where peace starts, with him. I don't think you find it anywhere else except through him. So if you're in this space today, or maybe you're online, and you're saying, I need that peace. Our invitation to you today is to say yes to Jesus. He wants to be your prince of peace. He loves you so much that he prepared you for this moment. And if that is your decision today, when we're done praying on the screens, there's going to be a message that says, if you want this life, text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. And it will be a privilege for one of our pastors to come alongside of you in this journey. And even if you're online, you could click that link because Jesus loves you. So, Father, I pray that this week as we walk into it, remind us again that we need to be the non-anxious presence that you desire. And help us to be a people who peace make, not peace take. I ask that in peacemaking, you will give us intentional and unintentional moments that just show this world who you are and that there's such a, a stillness and a joy that can be found in you. And Father, help us, forgive us when we've peace took from somebody else. Help us, I pray. So Jesus, give us a great week, I pray. And I ask it in your name. And everybody said, amen. Before you head out this morning, um, I just want to encourage you, go be peacemakers. Be, be a non-anxious presence. And in sending you out this morning, I've asked the team to come back to sing a song. It's a song that we sang this morning. And it's a song that has to do with this candle over here about joy. The idea is this, is that how many of you are excited that Jesus came to this world? 
All right, five people. This is great. But Jesus came and he brought his joy to the world. And because he brought that joy, it allows you and I to be the peacemakers, to walk into the world and to be the reconcilers of people to God. And there is a great excitement in that today. And so I hope that you will be a little excited as you sing this song in your exit, that you will allow something to happen in your soul because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And this week as you go, be the peacemakers, be the non-anxious presence. If you are brand new today, welcome to you. I'm going to have you see Pastor James, who will be in the Welcome Center over here in a few moments. Or if you also need to take a cool picture, looks like it's picture-worthy over there today. Have a picture with Pastor James. It'll be great. Uh, And we hope that we see you at Christmas Eve service gatherings, 3 and 5 o'clock. But hey, this is a fun, fast song. Uh, Let's use these hands to clap to the Lord today. And uh, let's sing together. And we love you, church, and we'll see you next week.